1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. I am your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx Speaker, Business Positioning Strategist, and Author, Sean Douglas. This show is currently heard in over 74 countries. So, whether you're listening to us for the first time or you are joining or have been joining us for quite a while, I want to thank you to those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here is where we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, We highlight that transformational moment that changed our lives, and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Tuesday through Friday. You can join our Facebook group, Life Transformation Radio Community, and never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you are listening to podcasts available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, the Himalaya app, the Google Play Music app, basically where you listen to podcasts, Life Transformation Radio can be found. On the show, my guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, podcasters, authors, basically amazing human beings that are impacting the world around them. And my guest today does exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, call us up at 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please help me welcome to the show, my guest for today, the amazing Joe Polish. Joe, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
0: Wonderful to be here. Good to be here, Sean. Man,
1: I'm super pumped. I've been following you for some time. I love what you're doing with the Genius Network and your podcast that you have, and this is an absolute honor. Like, I'm sitting with a celebrity right now in his own right, and I mean, the work that you've done, the humanitarian work that you've done, and the amazing love and affection that you put out to your network and to those around you is just unmatched.
0: Thank you. I'll do my best.
1: So the title of this episode is the most connected businessman on the planet, Joe Polish. Joe is the founder of Genius Network and Genius X, president of Piranha Marketing, creator of the Genius Network interview series, co-founder of 10xtalk.com, and I Love Marketing, founder of the genius network and three highly popular free podcasts on iTunes. Joe's marketing expertise has been utilized to build thousands of businesses and generated hundreds of millions of dollars for his clients ranging from large corporations to small family owned businesses. Known for his entrepreneurial focus on value creation, connection, and contribution, Joe's leadership is the reason he's one of the most sought-after marketers alive today. Joe has helped raise over $3 million for Virgin Unite, Sir Richard Branson's foundation. His current passion projects include JoeVolunteer.com, Artists for Addicts. Dot com and GeniusRecovery.com. Joe's mission is to help change the global conversation surrounding addiction and addicts from one of judgment to one of compassion. The Genius Network annual event is, November, is in November and brings the world's greatest humans together in one place. You can go to his website, JoePolish.com, and Joe has a free book that he likes to give everybody. Go to Joe's. FreeBook.com. it's right there in the show notes connect with him and let him know that you heard him here on life transformation radio so my first question for you and i believe is the most important question you could ever ask anybody is why why do you do what you do
0: well you know there's there's lots of uh motivation uh, that comes from like wanting to accomplish things and do good stuff in the world and make money and all that stuff but i think uh, i want to reduce human suffering more than anything i think the biggest driver for me is if someone's in pain I want to do my best to take them out of pain be that trying to figure out how to get a client how to build and grow a business or you're you know struggling with addiction and you want to you know commit suicide because you're just in such uh, angst and turmoil and the reason is is cuz I had a lot of uh, pain uh, growing up I mean I a lot of uh, suffering uh, mentally and uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually and I hate seeing people in pain you know, even when I was in school, I, I was a skinny, scrawny kid. Uh, however, I if I could ever see, you know, two people that were fighting and beating each other up, and other people are like cheering them on, like kick their ass, kick their yeah. ass. I like, tried to step in, assuming I wasn't going to get myself, you know, badly hurt in the process. I tried to break it up. I don't yeah. like seeing people hurt each other, which right. is different. Like, look, if someone's in an MMA fight and they want to yeah. beat the shit out of each other, that's whatever. <laughs> uh, but, but seeing people get bullied, right. I don't like bullies. I don't like. um unnecessary human suffering i don't like oppression mm-hmm. and i especially don't like how very driven successful entrepreneurs that are value creators that do good in the world and work their asses off are vilified and endure an enormous amount of uh, a struggle because you know a lot of very few people feel sorry for the you know the rich guy or gal who's got a successful business but right. they have no idea the trade-off some of these people have made and mm-hmm. the effort that they put into it. And so I like to reduce suffering for high level entrepreneurs. I love that. You know, and because they're the ones that move the world, they're the ones that yeah. provide a lot of jobs and, you know, the backbone of the economy. And so that's, that's what I do with Genius Network. And so I've, you know, I'm, I'm a rags to riches story, I guess, to, to some people, I was a dead broke carpet cleaner, living off credit cards and needed to eat, needed to survive. So I learned marketing and turned a small company around and fell in love with, you know, the marketing aspects of it and sold uh, a couple of my concepts to cleaners and they worked for them. And I thought, huh, how do I turn this into an actual business and get it into the hands of more people, the same recipes I had used and had learned, uh, you know, and I spent two years racking up credit card debt, doing hard manual labor, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days uh, and going broke, you know, and caring about clients, doing a good job, but frustrated because i'm like i don't get it you know I'm, oh, yeah. I, I'm not ripping people off i'm doing a good job i care and it's i can't figure out how to make this business work so i nearly gave up but there was one very insightful conversation i had with a, a guy accidentally that totally shifted my person and i could talk about that about in, in yeah. a moment if you want um you know my first real business mentor who don't even know the guy's name. It was, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a lake when we were jet skiing. But um, awesome. you know what it, what it did though is it it kind of put me on this path. And then I you know learned that wow, you can marketing is scalable. It's leverageable. You can can and clone yourself. And so that everything that I do though, it's all a it, it's all a strategic byproduct of something else. Trying to figure out how to how to get out of a mess. So I've clawed my way into as many opportunities that I can claw my way into. And I've had to claw my way out of as many messes as I can get myself <laughs> right. out of. And you know, uh, yeah. entrepreneurs are claw, claws. They're mountain climbers. Yeah. Sometimes you're you're climbing up the mountain and you're achieving, and other times you're tumbling down and you're beaten up and you're bloodied and you're frustrated. And I've been through all kinds of levels of it, and I've I've learned quite a few things along the way. And that's what I try to help people with. And so you know, half my time is now spent helping people that struggle with addictions, be it drugs and alcohol, which, you know, I was a bad drug addict uh, mm-hmm. early on, you know, at my worst state when I was 18 years old, and then behavioral addictions uh, from sex to workaholism to obsessive behaviors uh, later in adult life. And so I've spent over, you know, 20 years in recovery, and uh, I'm trying to use my marketing skills to uh, create education about how people view and treat addicts, like you mentioned in the intro. and. Uh, and that's very fulfilling. I make no money off of it. Actually, I spend money now in order to to do that. But uh. I'm unfortunately, you know, in a situation where I can do that, and that's meaningful yeah. to me. So yeah, that's what I mean. I can go on and on that, <laughs> as you know. But uh, yeah, I love it. And
1: and you you had mentioned you know the trade offs that entrepreneurs and business owners and you know what they go through. You right. know, I've I've built um, four businesses while serving in the military. My first one. Was an entertainment company, and we produced conferences and summits. Like yeah. We were the AV guys, the sound guys. The, we did the intros. We made sure that all the lighting, like that's what we did. Yeah,
0: that's why you're so good at all this podcasting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you like looking at the setup you got, you just understand mic so well and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. So I spent a lot of time DJing in bars and clubs and doing conferences and summits. It, you know, and you know, it, sometimes in different circles, it's it's a party. And I developed alcohol abuse very quickly. Yeah. And within my – and we had that business from 04 to 08. And 08 was my addiction, suicide, depression, like all that stuff because I was making money, but I was so stressed, right. completely stressed out. You know, um, where's my next client going to come from sometimes, or it was, okay, I've got the money. Like, what could you, what equipment do we need? Am I marketing the right way? Like there's so many different things. And then I hire somebody and they screw us over. I'm like, oh, so I got to go find somebody else. And it's just, it's so much. And I yeah. learned the hard way about entrepreneurship and addiction and even workaholic. I mean, yeah. 10 o'clock, midnight, 2am, I'm working, I'm doing things. I'm on the computer. I'm researching like, and it, there's an addiction that comes with entrepreneurship and business.
0: Well, yeah, you know, workaholism is a respectable addiction, and every form of addiction. Because you know, because let me define addiction too, since it's, it's so misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways to define addiction. This is this one guy's perspective, mine, from you know, under being an addict, is uh, addiction is doing something that you want to do or that you don't want to do, that you cannot stop, that has compulsivity attached to it, impulsivity attached to it and has negative consequences. Mm-hmm. So people are like, yeah, I'm addicted to exercise. I'm addicted to self help. Well I, I actually think all addictions involve suffering. If if the craving state of addiction, the urge, the compulsion doesn't have suffering or negative consequences attached to it, you know, some people Try to use the word addiction in a positive way. We've got sure. our clients addicted to the wonderful stuff that we provide. Well, it's not wonderful then if it's an addiction, right? right? And so, but it is a solution. You know, my frame of reference on addiction is addiction, addiction is a solution. I have a dear friend named Gabor Mate, and I consider him one of the top addiction minds in the world. And he just has a simple line. You know, the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain? So drinking, drugs, mm. behavior, workaholism, looking at the internet, working, these are all yeah. ways to soothe pain. Yep. They're a solution to pain. So does that mean someone's a moral degenerate because they're using a uh, you know a way to scratch this itch that can hurt people, hurt themselves, and in because in an addict's worst state, they lie, they cheat, they steal. Oh know? yeah, it's it's you know, unlike other sort of conditions um, like a disease, like cancer. You know, a lot of people aren't going robbing liquor stores and they're not, you know, lying and being deceptive. Okay. They're just suffering from, you know, uh, con- symptoms of, of, of their disease. But I don't believe uh, addiction is a disease. I used to believe it was a brain disease. Now I believe it's a response. They
1: always said it was. They always said addiction is a disease. Alcoholism is a disease. Like,
0: and, and a lot of people still, you know, the way that I, because I get in those conversations all sure. the time. You know, a lot of people that are well-intentioned say disease. And instead of saying, no, you're wrong, because, you know, you're not going to change anyone's mind by arguing with right. them. You have to enroll them. Into stuff, you know, dis-ease. There's certainly a level of dis-ease with it, but is it is it a disease like a, you know, I mean, a lot of people will argue here is why addiction is a disease. Oh, there's right. a great book called Addiction is Not a Disease if people want to see a different frame of reference on this. I'd rather though uh, have someone think of addiction as a disease than as someone's just a moral degenerate that is making bad choices. Right. I mean, you know, if, if, for people that have never been in a state where they are out of control. Like mm-hmm. there is someone else driving the car of your behavior and you can't get a hold of the wheel no matter what you do. That is real human suffering. And, you know, the best choice argument that uh, there's a guy named Kevin McCauley who was an Air Force doctor who became addicted to, I think, Demerol or some sort of uh, oh, wow. narcotic. And he ended up getting thrown in jail. And while he was in jail, uh, he read all kinds of stuff he could on addiction to find that there are like solutions and stuff, but he, you know, he he has this this analogy he uses, and I actually think he he still refers to it as, as as a disease, which I don't. But I love his choice argument, where he's like, the reason some people will say addiction is a choice is if, you know, think of someone shooting heroin into their arm, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, some sort of drug, and someone comes up to them with a gun and sticks a gun to their head, and says, if you stick that needle in your arm, I'm going to blow your brains out. Well, at that point, most people will put the needle to a side and right. won't do it. And they'll say, well, see, that was a choice because you chose under those circumstances to not do it so where you can't put a gun to someone's head that has cancer and say don't have a, you know, that tumor. So you know, it's a disease, right? Uh, cancer, but you know, addiction is a choice. What they don't take into consideration though is the craving state. So as soon as that element of danger, that gun pointed to their head, threatening to end their life is removed, yeah. they immediately go right back to that. So what they didn't get rid of is the craving state. The addiction is not that, you know, as a sex addict, it's not, sleeping with a prostitute or staying up all night watching the porn. You know, that that's just part of the mechanism. Right. Of it. It's what happens before that. It's the rumination. It's the, it's the addictive cycle. You know, Pat Carnes is an example who's, you know, the top sex addiction doctor in the world. I, mm. I had this great interview with him on, uh, you know, YouTube. If someone typed in, you know, my name and sex addiction, they could find my interview with Pat Carnes. And um you know, it's about an hour and forty five minutes and you know, he has this addictive cycle where, you know, it's it's preoccupation where you're mm-hmm. thinking about it, then ritualization. You set up your life with the rituals, then there's the obsessive compulsive act, and then there's despair. And in despair you feel guilt and shame. And what's the quickest way to get out of despair?
1: Go back to go it. Go back
0: to it. Start thinking yep, about it. Go so back all to forms it. of addiction. Yep. It's not the thing of just drinking the alcohol or doing the drug, or working obsessively, or the eating, or mm-hmm. the gaming, or the gambling, or the, you know, w- whatever the obsessiveness is, it's the thinking about it, it's the setting your life up, and the ritualization of it, so when you were talking earlier about, you know, you're hanging out in a certain world with a group of people, people replicate different people's behaviors, and all of their social circle becomes that, I remember like Chris Rock years ago on one of his comedy shows, he's like, you know, you don't see a guy who gets up at five in the morning, every day puts on a business suit and grabs a, you know, briefcase and goes to work, you know, uh, married to a crack addict, you know, like, <laughs> crack addicts, is like a married to other girls, they don't marry, they're hanging out with other crack addicts, right? It's, so it's like, right. if, if you think of the social yeah. circle that you're with, there's rituals all built around oh, it. There's, yeah. all, there's all behaviors. And, and if you, if you get in, if you get on that track, you know, cause right. what is life? I mean, life is you're on track. Things are working. Your business is working. Your health is in order. You know, you got a good relationship and then something happens. And it's so, not. <laughs> yeah. And then you're off track. So what do you do? You do your best to get back on track. And now when when the human choice element is removed from that, and yeah. you're out of control. That's where in 12 steps, you know, they talk about being powerless. And a lot yeah. of people have a debate with that. I'm not going to admit that I'm powerless over something because, you know, I, I have power. And I mean, I've had this conversation literally. 5,000 times. And, so, and I've heard both sides, and I could argue on both sides. Right. Here's why saying powerless is a bad thing, and it's demeaning, and it somehow doesn't allow you to tap into the resourcefulness of yourself. And I also see the other side is you actually get power by admitting that I have no control over this. This is beyond me. I need something greater. You know, I need a power greater than myself in yeah. order to overcome this. And, you know, someone Atheist, the greater power could be someone other than you. It could be, it could be something that you you can tap into. But the thing is, is there's everyone that's trying to do self self-destructive behavior, doing something, uh, is simply trying to ease some sort of pain. Uh, you know, years ago I had a conversation. With an author named Poe Bronson mm-hmm. in a bookstore, and he's written you know a bunch of books, and he said you know at the end of the day all the thousands of people he's interviewed, famous people, celebrities, you know housewives, you know homeless people, young old, you name it. He's like, what well, humans want is more woo and less ah, <laughs> <laughs> woo ah. You know why someone listens to this podcast? They're hoping on some level, woo, I'm going to learn something, It's going to yeah. make me more excited. You know what? Like, wh- why do you why do you take a drink? I'm trying to get more woo and less ah. You know, right. so that's, it's funny, woo and ah, I mean, that's the shit yeah. we, we pursue, we pursue, <laughs> you know, less, less ah, and, but the question is, is when you're pursuing woo, but it's creating ah, Yeah. you know, when you're trying to run a business, you're putting your best foot forward, you're doing everything and shit isn't working. That's when people are like, I don't get life. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And that's why, you know, you're well served to don't suffer alone. Yeah. Don't true. worry alone.
1: So the whole focus of the show is about our transformational moments that changed our life. I don't believe it's all sunshine and rainbows. We've been talking about, you know, we're on track. We're not on track. You know, we focus on these moments. So talk to us about a transformational moment that happened to you that put you on the path to what you're doing today.
0: Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I said the, the thing earlier, the first mentor, the jet ski sort of uh, s- story, that I have, which I've you know written about in a book that I'm going to have coming out soon called The Average Joe's Marketing Book, and um, it was uh, it was years ago, and I was in my early 20s, and I was in this carpet cleaning business that a friend from high school had talked me into uh, taking the money I had saved up, delivering papers, uh, working in health clubs. Uh, I moved back from Arizona after well. After, after I'd gotten sober, and I'm gonna just kind of backtrack a little here sure. and just give a real quick, up, uh, you know, just slice the life of my childhood. And none of this is a comparison of like, oh, you know, my, my obstacles were so difficult because there are people that I meet every day that have endured shit that I can't even fathom. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, my mother died when I was four years old. She was a former nun. She left the convent because she had gotten ill. And she met my father in church. They ended up getting married because, you know, I know the jokes, nuns can't get pregnant and <laughs> all that, right? You know. Um so she had, uh but she was very you know, she wrote some of the first books teaching children how to read using the uh phonetic method. And oh, my wow. mother's books taught millions of kids how to read. And my father was absolutely distraught when my mother died. I was four, I had an older brother who's, you know, eight, eight years old at the time and he's you know, four and a half years older than I than I am. And uh, so here I am with my brother, uh, my father, uh, broken people in a home and not having any clue on how to cope with this loss. So I went to Catholic school. Lots of bad things happened in, uh, in Catholicism with me. I was raped and molested as a kid. Um, I was paid money not to say anything. Uh, lots of bad shit. I used to get bullied uh, a lot in school. Um, you know, I, I had a little legal coach that forced me to hold a baseball bat in a certain way where I couldn't hold mm-hmm. the ball. And I, and at that point in time, I was not this opinionated, you know, smart ass kid that I later became as of some shy, skinny, scared, Kid who moved every two years my entire childhood because my father couldn't settle down anywhere. Wow. And it ruined my liking of sports, even to this day. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are famous athletes and stuff, and, you know, I've done, you know, I'll go observe sports and stuff, but I, I literally am not into sports because of the conditioning of what happened in, in my childhood. My very first dog that I ever had came home one day from school. Uh, my father had given my dog away for no reason. You know, my father would, Jeez. you know, and so I, like, everything that I tried to connect with, every person that was um, like a caretaker of me uh, either was totally dysfunctional or flat out abused me
1: yeah
0: and so I had I have no very good memories of uh, childhood I mean very few where I can say anything in my childhood that I could not that it didn't happen but I just cannot remember anything being that happy so yeah. I had a lot of just angst and a lot of pain and suffering so drugs became a way to um, kind of scratch that that itch and, and get me into an inebriated state. And, and so I was partying. I was, you know, uh, my worst state. I weighed 105 pounds at 18 years old from uh, freebasing cocaine for three and a half months straight every wow. single day. I was uh, smoking coke. That's what freebasing means. And snorting crystal crystal meth and uh taking lsd a lot and smoking pot daily sometimes several times a day smoking cigarettes drinking alcohol i mean my my body was ravaged i'd wake up in the morning to get high I'd, I'd get high to go to bed i would blow my nose blood would come out i'd cough up blood um you know and i looked in the mirror one day and i looked like a skeleton and i'm like if i don't get out of this environment i'm gonna die and i literally moved away to new mexico i was living in arizona at the time and um you know just uh, it's six months, I mean, I was taking aspirin and Tylenol every day. I didn't, you know, go to a treatment center. I literally just went yeah. through these crazy ass withdrawals. Jeez. But I finally went, th- you know, I finally went through it. But I didn't have access to drugs because I moved away to where I didn't know anyone. And Man. I actually knew I, could, I, I have to go somewhere where I just don't know anybody, and I can't, I don't have any circles. And uh, thank God I freaking, you know, made it through that. And I, I started exercise and workout which I never never done so then when I finally moved in and, and one last thing I'll say while I was there I was I got a job at a health club selling yeah. gym memberships and I went back to New Mexico a few years ago uh on a on a way on the way to El Paso which is where I was born <laughs> with a friend at the time and I'd stopped by a New Mexico State University where I ended up going to college for a little bit and it was weird I couldn't even remember like the buildings and stuff. I had a slight memory. I was driving around trying to see. it. it, it that's how fucked up my brain was at the wow. time. I just, you know, I mean, so much of my past life w- during that time, I just have no no recollect recollection of. And uh, basically, um, you know, I in the gym, I ended up meeting a guy that uh, worked, uh, ran a mental hospital, and I ended up getting a job as a mental health tech. And the hospital actually, I think, was more dysfunctional than most of the patients. Uh, one of the things I did, though, is I would drive, uh, you know, the, the people that came in for addictions that were in treatment for, you know, cocaine or heroin or, you know, alcohol to NA meetings, AA meetings, uh, CA meetings, Cocaine Anonymous, and I would sit in on those meetings, never realizing later in life how valuable just that would become. And so when I moved back to Mexico, I ended up having this friend which mm-hmm. is where i stopped off where i said let me backtrack while I go. <laughs> now here i'm back at that moment right and he's and so here i was running this carpet cleaning business you know with this guy and he talked me into you know like starting this business with him and uh, this guy's name was sean and the first two months of the business like he was drinking every night and partying and after oh, two months i literally took his name off the business account and here i was stuck with this equipment with this stuff, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, in my entire life, we never hired a professional carpet cleaner, and you know his original goal was we're gonna make phone calls and we're gonna you know get in people's homes and we're gonna you know sell them in additional services, blah, blah blah. And uh, it wasn't bait and switch like 6.95 a room because a lot of these low price coupons yeah. are, these people are just scummy humans that you know yep. uh, well, scummy sales practices and and I I've done like TV shows on anti bait and switch hell I've even been on ABC's <laughs> 2020 back in 1999 with Barbara Walters and. An investigative oh, cool. reporter back then, helping. I became the industry, you know. Later, when I became the leading marketing yep. expert in the world in the professional carpet upholstery cleaning and fire and flood damage restoration industry, which I did for many years, over ten thousand companies became members of Peron oh, Marketing, wow. and to this day, you know, we literally got many, many companies all over the world that still use my marketing methodologies. There's, they've, I mean, I've built thousands of small businesses. Yeah. And uh, but before that happened. I was this dead broke carpet cleaner stuck with this equipment wanting to get out of the carpet cleaning business. So, you know, the defining moment you ask about. So my friend, another friend that I went to high school with, I'm hanging out with friends from high school anymore. However, um, you know, he, I had been running this business for a while and I had gotten about $30,000 in debt and credit cards. I Jeez. was paying money to go to work. Uh, <laughs> okay. you know, there's, there's many Jeez. ways to go broke, but you know, uh, if you're going to go broke, back then there was no internet, right? You know, sitting on a couch, you know, watching TV, you know, eating potato chips or something is a more intelligent way to go broke than doing hard manual labor, 12, 14, 16-hour days, cleaning carpets, working your ass off, sweating because it's hard work. I mean, and, yeah. and I live in Arizona, and I remember in the middle of summer. During the worst times when I started this business, it'd be like, you know, 110, 115 degrees. And I'm allergic to cats. And the only jobs I knew how to get were these apartment complexes oh, where they would give me consistent work. And so I'd have to lug this portable steam cleaner up three flights of stairs, run an extension cord down to some outlet because the electricity was turned off, and then clean carpets in a cat-infested apartment, which I'm allergic to. Oh, God. And there's no air conditioning, and you're inside. And it's like a sauna, and then you're steam cleaning the carpet, and it makes it humid. Yep. So it's like doing hard manual labor with cat urine smell uh, in a sauna, and you're allergic, and you're wheezing. And I would do that shit all day long. And the bizarre thing about it, I would pay to do that because I didn't know how to make the company work. So I was literally financing, to, but damn it, I had this little entrepreneurial fantasy. I wanted to run my own company. <laughs> and people that don't have the balls to do that sort of stuff and go, you know, right. I mean, there's all these movements like, you know, I was talking to Dan Sullivan about this. Like, you know, let's help start up young entrepreneurs and stuff. Let's like help fund them. And Dan's like, you know. You want to help them? Let them go bankrupt. You know, let them figure out how to do that. That's how you learn how to become right. an entrepreneur. I mean, oh you just You know, you gotta go through this shit. Like, if someone's gonna help, you know, you don't handicap your children by making their lives too easy. Right. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it 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 really is the 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 sifting, sorting, and screening mechanism of uh, who actually has the. The wherewithal, who's willing to read books, who's willing to learn how to test stuff and do stuff, who's willing to get the door slammed in your face a million freaking times, who's willing to learn how to navigate all the disasters that come. What oh, I've yeah. learned in life is that the shit doesn't get easier that I deal with my tolerance for it improves. Like I have to deal with stuff every day now running a multi-million dollar yeah. business that when I first started out would have psychologically destroyed me because it's like, <laughs> I don't know how to handle this sort of thing. So, uh, you know, this is all training wheels. I mean, sure. it, you know, you can say it sucks or it's difficult. And it is, believe me, when you're starving oh, yeah. and you can't pay for food and you can't pay for rent and you're like, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough. I get all of that. And, you, you know, so anyway, so what happened is, uh, so here's the state I'm in. And so this friend, Pat, calls him up. He's like, hey, would you like to go jet skiing this weekend? So i now I've given you some context where my yep. life kind of was. And, and so when you're broke, yeah. you don't have any discretionary money to go enjoy yourself. You're just trying to keep the wolves from you know getting into yeah. the into the house and killing you. And I'm I'm like, oh, you know, I got to work this week and I really can't. He says, he goes, well, you know, the guy that owns the jet ski's is a multimillion dollar real estate investor. And, you know, he's a smart business guy. And so that's what piqued my interest. So maybe I could learn something from this guy and figure out, you know, what the hell I could actually yeah. do to make some money. So I, you know, said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll meet you at the lake. And so the Segura Lake, which is a lake outside of like, you know, Phoenix area um, for people that know, have no clue, Arizona, all these people from, you know, different parts of the world that listen to this. So I went out there and my friend Pat, and then this guy that owned the jet skis and then one of his friends and he had two jet skis. And so I had this piece of shit, you know, Chevy Love L U V pickup oh, truck. God. Remember those? <laughs> oh and god. So we're we're sitting on the tailgate of this pickup truck. And uh I think it was a Chevy Love. It could have been this other piece of crap, a Suzu pickup that I had. I think it's so funny. I, like I, I'm trying to think. I think it was the Chevy Love. But anyway, so yeah, because I had two piece of crap vehicles. Those are my. That's my awesome. There, yeah, and uh, one, one after the other. So uh, one one once. Oh, I got to tell you the Chevy Love story too. This, I live in Arizona, as I've said like four million times. And one summer, the there was no air conditioning in this this truck. Yeah, and. It was overheating, and I had to keep the heater on oh. in order for the car to like not oh overheat. The color, and gosh. I would drive around <laughs> <so with the laughs> <heater. Yeah. laughs> I look back at this and go, God, like how did I, how did I even tolerate oh, it as a drug addict too? Like right? not, you know, so oh, um, so anyway, so here I am on the tailgate of this pickup truck, finally having an opportunity to talk to this rich. Guy that um, you know had the jet, had the jet skis and, and my friend Patton and this, and this wealthy real estate investor's friend were out on the jet skis and so I say to him I said, yes, yeah, so I hear you do really well in business and I have this small carpet cleaning business and it's you know it's it's challenging and I want to get into another industry uh, where I can make better money and I hear you you know you do well in business so I want to see if you had any recommendations on what other sort of business I could go into um, you know to to do well and. He said, well, he goes, are there other people in your industry that are making money? And I said, well, yeah, there's, you know, some companies in Phoenix that make over a million dollars a year. And, you know, to me, that's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, but they've been around and established for a long time. And, you know. Um, <laughs> take longer than that. So. <laughs> you Keep okay. Okay. So basically um, – yeah, we got interrupted, and so that, that's, what, that's what the interruption is in case you weren't. <laughs> were we are at the Spartan World uh, Championship. We are live right at the Spartan Race yeah, World Championship. There's a lot, lot of people running around science. giving us signals. It was like,
1: like pointing at us. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're like, what the hell is <laughs> going on there?
1: So, uh, yeah, so anyway, so
0: this jet ski. so go back to that. You know, well, if there's uh, there's anyone do, you know doing well in your business, and and I said, yeah, and he said, well, if, if there's other people doing well in your business and you're not, there's nothing wrong with the business you're in. There's something wrong with you. And so I was like, well, no, no, I've gotten certified. I went and got training. I've been doing this for you know a while. And he said, look, young man, you're like most people. You think the grass is always greener on the other side. And so if you you know what's going to happen if you go into another industry, you're gonna to have to spend another six months, another year, another two years learning the technical skills of another industry. So you can go out and repeat the same bad business habits that have caused you to be a failure. Yeah. And I was like, well, shit, that's not the motivational speech I was looking for. However, you know, I, I, I still made excuses and I said, well, no, you know, I don't do bait and switch. I do a good job. I care about people. He goes, look, what you need is you need to learn fundamental business skills. And once you learn how to make a business work, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you can apply those things. And so, so when he said that, something, a, a switch flip, that, that was the most important, valuable mentor that I had ever had in my life up to that point. I still don't know who this guy's name, you know, I wish I, I wish I could go back in time and find out who the hell yeah. this guy was. But when I left that trip, I was driving home and I was like, I live in America. I have use of my limbs. I have a ton of personal problems and emotional issues, but I'm a hard worker and I can read and I, care about people and other people know how to figure shit out and they're, and they're making it work. People that aren't as ethical as me don't right. seem to care as much or making more money than me. They know something I don't, what the heck do they know? And, you know, so I, 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 developed this, like, you know, I, the world doesn't know me anything unless I go out and figure out how to make it work. So that started my path of reading and learning. And in that mindset state that I, that, that helped get me into when a friend gave me a newsletter written by this crazy copywriter who en- ended up becoming, a, you know, one of my closest friends later, you know, a few years later, Gary Halbert, uh, re- I started reading the Gary Halbert letter. And that's when I learned marketing, you know, can and clone yourself. Any problem in the world can be solved with the right sales letter. Uh, and I started applying those methodologies to the small carpet cleaning business and using things like consumer awareness guides, consumer awareness messages, things that I teach in my book. And people can learn about this. You know, you mentioned Joe'sFreeBook.com. Yep. As long as people will pay for shipping and handling, then I am happy to, uh, you know, to um, go ahead and um, um, send it to them. So, you know, I, I applied it and I went from earning twenty three hundred a month gross to over twelve thousand uh, a month. Within six months, not by changing how much I knew about cleaning carpets, but by changing the message on the paper, you know, oh, yeah. uh, between a one dollar bill and a hundred dollar bill is a message on the paper. And again, there was no uh, Internet back then. So, yeah. And can we ask, can we continue on? No, in here wow. OK. <laughs> so, we can we can start if they if they need the room or what? <laughs> It's you, so we'll just keep going. Okay. Is that okay?
1: <laughs> okay. We're almost
0: done. Yeah. So, We're almost done. Um, yeah, so so that was, you know, I, I started applying these as we go on. Not, not you, of course, uh, Sean, but yeah. You know, anyway, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Hey, look, this is like entrepreneurship. You just it have is. to go through obstacles. courses. You have to go through it. The people yeah, listening are like, "What is going on?" Like, yeah, if you could exactly. see what we see, no. <laughs> yeah. Plus, there's hundreds of people outside running through oh, obstacle yeah. courses and like shit, Spartan getting race. bloody. Some are probably broken ankles and all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know. So talk about the genius network. So you,
1: so you go and you scale and. You start helping out other well, carpet cleaners. Yeah, so
0: this is what happened. So I, I ended yeah. up you know, turning my carpet cleaning company around. And then I was like, well, other carpet cleaners could probably benefit from this. Mm-hmm. And so I started teaching these methods to other carpet cleaners. And when I was 26 years old, I sold a quarter million dollars worth of these courses that were – like I put oh, wow. together a 250-page manual – I started recording cassette tapes. I, I, I had all of the stuff that I was doing in my business. The difference between me and a lot of people that write books and do seminars and people that are experts, they have actually never transformed anything. All they've done is written books about shit sure. that they've never done. I'm a convert <laughs> of my own system. I <laughs> actually doesn't. didn't learn marketing thinking I'd ever teach it to anyone. I learned marketing because I needed to eat. I needed to survive, and it actually worked. And I started applying these methods uh, you know, to my business. I turned it around. I started teaching these other methods to other cleaners. It worked for thousands. Thousands of other cleaners that in the late nineties, I licensed my materials to home remodelers, uh, printers, painters, uh, uh, hair and nail salons, jewelry, uh, heating, air conditioning, um, uh, auto sales. You know, I mean, I had
1: yeah. all these
0: service businesses. So I became one of the um, most, uh, you know, skilled uh, marketers for service businesses in the world. Wow. And, uh, you know, my. Uh, you know my my methodologies uh, that we can even track for my clients who generated my ads and promotions and campaigns. You know, well over two billion dollars. It's probably double that, but you know, it's yeah. hard to track it all. Um, and so I, you know, I started doing groups and seminars. And in two thousand and six, uh, I and I was a niche marketer from nineteen ninety four to two thousand and four. Everything was in a niche, very niche specific. Yep. The the riches are in the niches, especially yep. when you're starting out. And then I did my very first general marketing program with a company called Nightingale Conant, which at the time was the largest audio training company in the world. They did Tony Robbins tapes, Brian Tracy, Mother Teresa, Conversations with God, I mean all kinds of stuff that they would distribute. And uh, to this day, my marketing program was the number one selling marketing program. And I go kind of beat everybody, beat Dan Kennedy. <laughs> stuff, oh, stuff, wow. stuff, and I mean, everything. And it was wow. called Piranha Marketing, the seven success multiplying factors to dominate any market that you enter. You can still even get that program on Audible, even though it was recorded in 2004. People love it. That's it's amazing. A great, great program. And so we sold millions of dollars worth of that course, and then I started doing stuff in the general marketing thing. I started consulting with a lot of clients, a lot of nutrition people. I was bill Phillips marketing consultant for thirteen years. He was the author of Body for Life and gave him you know the idea to donate money to the Make a Wish Foundation, which made him the single largest individual contributor in the history of the world from make a wish foundation wow. and uh, sold 6 million copies of his book that would never have existed had he not worked with me and just started applying the same methodologies I would teach the cleaner. So when people hear me talk about carpet cleaning, like, well, you know, how's that apply to me? If you have to figure out how to successfully sell something nobody wants to buy, uh, no one wants to buy carpet cleaning. You learn a lot about marketing, so it's worth studying as a case study. And then I started uh, Genius Network, which is a you know twenty-five thousand dollar a year group for entrepreneurs that make a, have a business doing over a million a year. And uh, now we have you know a couple hundred members and run the highest level group in the world uh, for industry transformers. And bring them all together, and I curate amazing content, and I believe any problem in the world can be solved with a Genius Network. So I give people awesome. you know, access to some of the greatest minds, greatest experts, and I never call myself a genius. I mean, if there's anything that I've done that's really smart is I just know how to curate geniuses and bring them all together and be very useful and uh, yeah. bring together a group of givers, not takers. Another one of my upcoming books is called Life Gives to the Giver. Awesome. Because I believe, you know, life gives to the giver and takes from the taker. In all areas, it's a karmic thing. And so when I try to meet people, I don't expect anyone to do anything for me without creating value for them. First, I always focus on, people always ask me, how do you meet Richard Branson? How do you meet all these people that you've met? And it's like, well, you know, focus on what's their suffering. Focus on what do they want? What do they care about? Tie something into it, you know, give them some value. And that's how you meet them, you yep. know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
1: Man, I, yeah, I absolutely love what you're doing. I've I've listened to your podcast a lot. I got connected through John. They talk about you know the amazing human that you are. I was like, well, if they're if, if they're following, you know, I mean, because success leaves clues. If they're following Joe, I gotta follow. I gotta start following Joe. And I saw that you were gonna be here at Spartan Fest. I was like, no way. Like this, so so for me to sit next to you because I know you're so well connected, and just to hear you talk about. Gives me hope because every business I've built, I've struggled. It sucked. I, I exited for 600K in one business, you know, because military life. Right. You know, and I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. I've actually, like, it was a success, you know? Yeah. And then as I start building and start giving value to other people, you know, I go back to almost like what would Joe do or what did he do? Because success leaves clues. And it's as long as I don't reinvent the wheel and start applying those principles, you can't help but be successful. As long as you have a giving heart, right, like you model, yep. and 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 just be there and deliver value for people.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's
1: a winning formula. Yeah, yeah. So I absolutely love what you do. Thank I you. I love your podcast. I, I can't wait to read the average Joe's marketing because I read some of these books and I'm like, like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like right. I don't understand. I'm like, what? And yeah,
0: I make it super easy. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, you you need things. If you're just a small like there's 28 million small business owners in the U.S. well, businesses in the U.S. Yeah. 21 million are single person operations. So it there's is. a ton of people that are out there. Uh, and you know you got to make it so easy that people that don't have budgets, that don't have skills, that don't have big teams, what do they do? How do they do it? And it's all about elf marketing. So you can yeah. either have an easy, lucrative, and fun business in life, or you can have a half business, which is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. And there's lots of ways to make money, but I want people to use elf methodology. So everything yeah. that I do in my books – my podcast is teaching people elf, how to have an elf business versus a half business, and that's what I try to provide, and, 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 and the barometer is not does it work for me, but does it work for the people that I teach it to, and I've got more evidence of success of that for 20 years, so it's, you know, this is not my opinion, I mean, yeah. I've transformed Thousands of businesses, uh, and when I say I, I just provided the information in a way that they were able to take it and apply it. And it, but it. it's ultimately the hardworking people that take it. There's ideas are a dime a dozen. Yeah. You know, going out there and, and applying them, but you know, good ideas. You know, the yeah. most expensive information in the world is bad information. And there's a oh, lot of yeah. free information that people can get online uh, that's just bad information. And so is it really free? You know, because you know people are better served to buy. You know, a real player will spend money to get access to the best people, yeah. the best resources, and so yeah. I mean, my life consists of you know very high-priced events that are for you know badass entrepreneurs, and most of the other stuff I give away for free. Love it. You know, but it's ultimately the person on the other list, you know, the other other side here that does something with it. And so, yeah. yeah.
1: So as we start to close the show, knowledge that will motivate transcend and inspire
0: someone to take that action yeah well you know i'll have them wreck i'll just recommend a book that's not even <laughs> mine uh the war of art by my buddy steven pressfield okay it's all about resistance and there's this great line that I, that I love which is be willing to destroy anything in your life that's not excellent and so if you just take a look and audit the people the projects the things that are not elf that are not excellent because as my friend dan sullivan says Getting results doesn't take time. It's the not getting results that takes all your time. So there's plenty of time in the day to produce results. If you're not producing results, it's because there's all this shit. Like the sun is always in the sky. Right. It's the clouds that are blocking it. So your own clouds that distance you from your own sun in your personal addiction mm-hmm. recovery, in building and growing a business, in your health challenges, you just need to clear the stuff out. Getting results doesn't take a lot of time. And so being able to think. So read uh, read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield for resistance and then a methodology book from one of the speakers of my genius network event this year is Keith Cunningham who's actually mm-hmm. the guy that taught Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, oh perfect. So he's, so he's the rich dad the Kiyosaki he wrote a, a book called The Road Less Stupid and he has a method in there called Thinking Time. I have an interview online with people with 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 uh, uh, with Keith Cunningham is his name. Uh, which is amazing. So that's the best business book I read in 10 years. So those are my recommendations.
1: Yeah. I love it, man. And Again, you know, you're doing so many amazing things in the world. You've got a lot going on with the Genius Network and the Genius Recovery and everything. So, uh, everybody, right now, go to JoePolish.com, go to GeniusRecovery.com, connect with him, and let him know that you heard him here on Life Transformation Radio. Also, go to his podcast, I Love Marketing. Yeah. And subscribe to it on wherever you listen to podcasts, on Google, on Apple, wherever, and subscribe to his shows. And you have another one that I absolutely – I think that's how I really turned on to you. You did one with Dean called – "What Is it I Love Marketing with yeah, Dean? Yeah, yeah, Dean okay. Jackson.
0: Yep, but you I have another
1: one. You have, you have two podcasts. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I have one with Dan Sullivan called 10xtalk.com. 10X 10X talk. Talk. Dan yep. Sullivan's brilliant founder, strategic coach. And then we yep. have the genius – network podcast where we take yeah. the 10 minute talks and speeches and interviews from our genius network yeah. members and so yeah i remember 10x that because everybody's
1: like got a 10x got a 10x oh my god you got a 10x this and 10x this and as i searched 10x you actually came up and then i started listening to that and then of marketing was right after that you know what i mean so yeah. Yeah, that's and really and we,
0: we don't just talk about 10x you can 10x your profitability without adding making your company bigger everyone's in this whole urge to grow and build it as if that's bigger i love yep. like things like small giants right where you can build a highly profitable company without having to be massively big because at the end of the day you're in the arithmetic business i don't give a shit what someone's top line is what's your bottom right. line right yeah. uh, and and so 10x could be your joy of life 10x could be your elimination of things that cause you grief there's all kinds of ways to 10x yourself yep. it's not about money
1: Absolutely. So this has been the episode with the most connected man in business, Joe Polish, and go to joelpolish.com. Connect with him. Let him know that you heard him here on Life Transformation Radio. Subscribe to his podcasts, and I guarantee you, you will turn your entire business, entire everything that you're doing, turn it around, your brand. Find opportunities every day to live the core values that you hold up in your heart, and I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live a great life.